We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. determined if we just put out a podcast every 12 hours, we could almost catch up with the Arsenal news. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Hello, everybody. Uh, love you. Love you so much for being here. So this is a Patreon pod, except it's not, because what we've decided is to put this out for everybody. So patrons, I love you so much for being here and hope you don't mind us sharing this with the world. Obviously, we'll have more for you uh, very soon. And, and for non-patrons, just a reminder that we do a lot of extra stuff over there. We do scouting videos where we have a, a professional scouting console up and and Clive or sometimes special guests will come on and analyze players in detail. We do rewatches of games. We do instant reactions to games. We will have special content for the Champions League coming up over there. We're doing sometimes as much as you know four different episodes um, of different types of content, video and audio-wise, over there all week. So we want to make it a special place for you to be. It's a place where you'll be able to get tickets to live events. Um, you know, and there's our discord private chat server. We're going to be doing office hours. I think our first one will be tomorrow. So more on that anon, but just a lot happening over there. Uh, sorry to bloviate and go on and on about that, but just want to let you know, we'd love to have you there. If we can't, we're happy to have you wherever you're a part of this beautiful community. And so we are putting this out for everyone in part because, um, you know, just felt like there's a lot happening and a lot of important conversations to be had today that we weren't able to cover on yesterday's pod. And also because we can't just keep Clive behind the paywall. That wouldn't be fair to everybody. People got to have their Clive. And so here with me now is the man himself. Oh, I will mention also, if you want to see the new Clive video for the new season, you will uh, get first viewing of that on the Patreon side. And he's super excited. He um he hired two stylists to help get him prepped for the new Clive welcome <laughs> video. And here with me now is Clive. You can find him on Twitter, Clive BFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, Duma. How are you, man? I'm all right. I'm buzzing. I've still we got the holiday glow, and I'm like yeah. back. No work back. is good, and football is good, and I'm just rattling out stuff out of my head. So yeah, it's all good, all good. Funny when we're just having our off mic chat, you're loud, you're you're you're, you're expressive, <laughs> and then then we get we hit the record button, and you're like, 
three feet from the mic, whispering. It's like the opposite of what we need. I'll get okay. going. I'll get going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know you will. Once I get you wound up, um, I we did a little partner swap this week, which I enjoyed. That was a little spicy, a little enjoyable. Um, if people are not familiar with what I'm talking about or what a partner swap is, allow me to explain. Clive went on the Gooner Talk YouTube channel, and we had Tom yeah. from the Gooner Talk YouTube channel on our podcast. So, little partner swap. Kind of racy, kind of enjoyable. Did you have fun over there on the dark side? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I speak to Tom quite regular on and offline. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Tom's great. Easy work. Yep. Easy work. Uh, they're, they're, Easy. they're a nice I channel. Mean, I got a good audience, right? Really good audience. And um, what he's building there yep. is really nice. So, fair play to him. If I had to hang out with an audience that wasn't our audience or our blog's audience, Tom's audience would certainly be there. And if you are part of both audiences, then you know you can take that as you want. All right, enough of this waffle. I, look, we'll leave the waffle to, to James and and Andrew. They really are the kings of it. We need to talk football. Yep. So there's Saliba news. There's Reese Nelson news. There is some transfer news. Uh, there's Kylian Mbappe news, which is hilarious and stupid. But I think there's an angle to it that I want to touch on. But let's let's end an era first. Let's say our goodbyes. Um, Granite Shaka has left, and I want to give us a chance to really dig our fingers into the dirt, into the soil of the Granite Shaka era, because it is the end of an era. But before we do that, I want to give some flowers to Edu just a little bit. There is this weird skepticism around Edu and what he does and how good he is at what he does. And I understand it. I understand it. It's it's unclear. We don't really know. We're new to the d- director of football model. We had Arsene Wenger for 20 years. Then we had Raul. That made us skeptical of the director of football model. And now we have Adu. And we're not totally sure. You know, we have uh, Dick Garlic and Tim Lewis. And you know, what does everybody do? And there's a skepticism. But if you look at it, in essentially two summer windows, we fully rebuilt an eighth-place squad to a title contender. We've gotten all our top targets by and large, with the exception of like Mudrick, which was a bullet dodged, I think you'd say. And then the one last stick that was used to beat him with is, well, he's not good at selling. And now we've gotten maybe $25 million for a 30-year-old in the last year of his contract. So I, I think maybe quick flowers for Adu. This is a good sale, Clive. This is a good fee to a club that I, I think this might be their record fee or near it. Um, so do you want to just quickly say whatever doubts we might have about Adu, he's certainly he's, he's pitching a perfect game to use a, a stick to baseball analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, for me, it's all about how you measure him. And people will measure him in their, in their own way. So what, what Ari's measures, as far as they're concerned, is probably buying and selling. Right? So, and if you if a player succeeds, then some people say, oh, that's the manager got him. <laughs> when a player fails, Eddie got him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, when a player sold for two quid in a set of tracksuits, Eddie needs to sell better. <laughs> you know, so it comes back to who sometimes who you like, you know. What I will say, I always look closely at uh, a couple of things. Um, I look closely at their relationships in the club, you know, and how they seem to imagine his relationship. If that's solid, that's a good thing. Are they aligned? If that's good. Uh, I also, if I said this the other day, actually, but when Arteta was doing quite well, we changed his job from coach to manager, and that was always a signal that potentially he was working really well, regardless of the results. And Edu recently got changed his job title to be, I think, a director of football now. That's a sign he's doing something well within the world of football. So you need to protect him by changing his job title, giving him more responsibility. He seems to be looking, having a review over the women's game as well. I think it's, yeah. it's really interesting watching his growth and development. I think for me, 
what I liked about what him and Mikel Arteta did initially was they didn't really care about themselves when they had to make those decisions to sell people, to give people away, sorry, to give people away, to pay people to go. Right? Some of them were their mistakes, some of, the people, some of them were previous regime's mistakes. But rather than hold on to them, they wanted to build something from the ground up and then remove people and then go incredibly young. Hold on, you've taken out all this experience and you're now trusting a bunch of kids. Two years later, those bunch of kids are not 19, they're 21, and they're building a reputation, their value is soaring, and suddenly we're looking at our squad as one of the most valuable squads in the world, which we weren't three, four years ago, with a wage bill which is commensurate to the talent that we have. And then you look at it and you look at the ages, look at the contract lengths, you look at well, we just we just seen people signing on as we as we were recording. You look at the the core group and their contracts and age, and you say, "Oh my goodness, mm. that hasn't just happened. That is planned on a whiteboard, mate. <laughs> that is planned. That is planned properly. You know, you can't tell how someone's going to develop, but that has been planned properly and executed. And so, yeah, just give the man some flowers, right? You. You have to start small and then grow your reputation over time. And I promise you now, if he was to go out into the world of football, look for a job, he'd be out there for about 20 seconds before someone would snap him up. You know, and that tells you he's doing well. So, yeah. You know, there might be people that say, to your point, oh, but Arteta did this, or Tim Lewis did that, or, you know, actually we got this because of that, or that because of this. But here's the way I look at it, right? If we were failing to get our targets and failing to sell our players, we'd be blaming Adu. So if we're getting our targets and signing our players, we have to praise him. Ultimately, if you think of him almost like a CEO, with all due respect, Vinay, um, sometimes they do nothing and they get the credit or they do nothing and they get the blame. My attitude is this is a group. It is an organization with a, a collective mentality. And between Arteta and Edu and Tim Lewis and Richard Garlick and, and Vinay and everybody involved and Josh probably and maybe Stan – they're all running this club and trying to get it in the right direction. And it's going in the right direction. It's doing things right. And whether you see Adu as the progenitor of the project, as the leader of the project, or just a participant in the collective, he deserves credit for being a part of what is a really impressive project to this point and what seems to be a really impressive summer. So I think kudos to him on that. And by the way, you know, this is where I'll weave this in and I'll just say it and then we'll move on because I don't think it merits discussion. Uh, Miguel Delaney, among others, has reported that Kylian Mbappe, if he came to the Premier League, would want to come to Arsenal and prioritize Arsenal because he he likes what Arteta is building. He respects that project and he thinks it would be great to try to restore the title to Arsenal. Now, look, we're not getting Kylian Mbappe for a million reasons that everybody knows. And I think digging into that kind of rumor right now is probably not worth the, the, the time we have together. But what I will say is, the fact that quotes like that can be reported or facts like that or details like that can be reported by legitimate reporters in a legitimate way, you know, not by um, Indy Kyla News on Twitter or something. Um, <laughs> the fact that that can be done is a reflection of how far we've traveled reputationally in a very short period of time. It's not just, well, now we're back in the Champions League. It's we have the hottest young talent. We have a dynamic style of play. We have an iconic coach who is aspirational, both in his communication and in his principles. People can see him as becoming that next Pep-like figure in the game. We have a connection with our crowd, with our fans, 
that many clubs are now envying. A lot of things that weren't true just a few short seasons ago are true today. And it allows a rumor like that, that we might be a destination for the best player in all of world football to be taken, maybe not fully seriously, but as credibly reported. And that alone is also a reflection of the immense financial investment being made in the squad as well. Because when you buy a 100 million pound player who is at the top of the game in his position, one of the best English players full stop, you are now on the list of clubs that could be buying anybody. So we've traveled a long way and it is a reflection of the good work that's been done that even a silly rumor like that can be reported in a way that is credible. Um, but not credible enough for us to discuss any further. So I do want to get into Shaka, but before I get into Shaka, Clive, do you, do you want to say sort of a, a final thought, Dakota, on on that idea? Yeah, well, you know what I mean? It won't be a small thought. I think if you think back a few <laughs> years ago to um, Eden Hazard, remember he was coming over from, from France to Chelsea? Well, it was Chelsea or Arsenal, but Chelsea were the coming force. And he went to Chelsea and won everything they needed to win there, made his money and went to Madrid and got injured and his career is tailing off. But we were... And did Francis we Cochran's really, Arsenal career as well. <laughs> <laughs> but we weren't really in the room to get him. You know, Chelsea were the coming force, spending all the money, etc. So I think we've lifted our reputation on, on that angle. I, I do think... The, this is happening quicker than maybe some people have imagined. When I say this has happened, someone could be shouting to their phone right now, what's happened, Clive? You ain't won nothing. And that's maybe where we this conversation will develop over the season because expectations are rising and what is the measure now? So we have these wonderful feelings. We're watching all these actions and they're all positive. So I had about a list of 10 things that in my mind to do over the summer. And we've done like seven or eight of them already, including a youth signing. Everything's been done retention-wise and buying-wise so far. It's on the way. He's saying to himself, hold on a minute. Yeah, no, nothing's gone wrong. You know, so I do think mm-hmm. we're in a positive direction. But then we're going to get the question about how positive this is. What is the new measure for this team? What is the new measurement for success? And... When we get to preseason, I think we're going to have a lot of those conversations. You know, I can see that coming, mate. I can really can. Yeah, and this is going to frustrate people, but I don't care if we win trophies. Like, I'm, I'm a, it's funny because I was extremely critical of the club when we were poor. But the reason I was critical is it sucked watching Arsenal. It sucked experiencing those seasons. There was a toxic mm. atmosphere between the fans and the club. The football was dire. We weren't winning games. We weren't winning big games in particular. If we hit 92 points this season and score 100 goals, and beat United and Liverpool and Spurs a couple of times and get to the semifinal of the Champions League and don't win anything, I can guarantee you sitting here right now, I'm going to be sitting at the end of the season going, it was a great season. So, you know, I I anticipate enjoying this Arsenal season a great deal. Whether it produces the ultimate final reward of a trophy, I hope it does. But you're going to tell me you're going to watch that's, That's not a bad approach. That's not a bad approach. Mm-hmm. If you think about City, just won the Champions League this year, but they they collect they, they, they the draw worked out for them. Once they beat Madrid, it was done. But they've been in semi-finals for ages now. If you put yourself in position enough times, eventually it will it will fall your way. Please don't mention yeah. 115 charges. I am aware of them, you know. But what I'm saying to you is, from a football point of view, if you put yourself 116 at the top level, now, I think 
is it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you put yourself yeah. in the room enough. <laughs> It will go. It will. It will go your way eventually, and that's what I'm really adding to your point, Elliot. I know what you're saying, but if that happens two seasons on a row, then we will win something. Do you see what I mean? We will happen. It will yeah, happen. of course. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'm not giving us excuses. What I'm saying is, if you're going to go through 55 games in 10 months of your life, only caring what happens in the 55th game, like I think you're going to miss a lot. I, I am my most annoyed with Arsenal when I just don't enjoy the 55 games or the, at that time, 38 games. You know, if I'm enjoying yeah. the games and I'm enjoying the connection and, and we're playing great and the players are good and the squad's been built intelligently and I really like what we're doing, I trust that we'll either get there or if we don't get there, it, it'll be just because it didn't quite fall our way. This is dumb. I'm not trying to give us excuses. I'm just, I'm just saying that I am excited for this Arsenal, and I'm sure they will deliver something exciting for us. Whether that ends in the ultimate prize, we'll find out. Okay, that's been our section on Granite Shaka. So we're going to move on now. <laughs> <laughs> that's normal stuff. 15 that minutes we do, in, right? Yeah, that, that is. That is. Um, but a good chat nonetheless. So uh, worth the path less traveled that we took to get to Granite Shaka. But, Clive, let's do a retrospective real quick. I'll start because I think honesty is the best policy. There is this thing going on right now where because everything's so good at Arsenal, no one wants to say anything that's not good. I did not like Granit Xhaka for many, many years. I didn't think he was very good. I didn't like his big man mentality. I thought the leadership thing was overplayed. I kept hearing about leadership, but I kept seeing a guy who lost his temper at the wrong time, flew into a challenge at the wrong time, got his red cards in the worst moments. Now, it's funny because some of this is, you know, the whole... If, if that was Granite Shack, it'd be a red card, red cards, right? Stuff like a tackle on the halfway line that was a red card. We've never seen it since. And as Paul would point out, we should give the Paul voice um, a platform here. He's never received a red card for two yellows. Never, not at any point, right? So some of that was overplayed. But for many years, I saw a guy who sat at the base of our midfield, was not press resistant enough, lacked the agility and mobility, and, and where I thought his attitude that was praised was more hindrance than help. That's where I was with this guy. And on the day where he yeah. threw that armband down, I wanted the relationship over. I wanted him out. That's where I was. And this is the beautiful thing about life. If you are open to all the possibilities of life, it can be such a beautiful thing because I was the cheerleader of the Shaka skeptics and critics. Not And look, let's differentiate. Not the trolls and the and the and the sadists who send evil messages on social media and can't distinguish between legitimate criticism of a, of a player and and abuse, right? But I was the cheerleader of that criticism, and I sit here now, feeling a bit tearful that he's going, although I think it's the right time, feeling appreciative for what he gave us, feeling that his leadership ultimately did shine through, that he was a critical part of bridging the gap from where we were to where we've gotten to and helping the young players get there, that he's just delivered a masterful season in a position I don't think we appreciated he could play. And he got the send-off of a lifetime, and on the final day of the season, I was there, and I'll admit I'm choking up as they're singing We Want You to Stay and as they're singing Granite Shaka's song, and he's scoring a brace, and he's waving to the crowd – while I may not have always enjoyed where this journey was at, I love where it wound up. And I will now comfortably be able to say, I wish him well. I'll miss him. I'm, I think it is the time for him to move on and us to move on. But you just don't get a lot of scripts like this, redemption arcs like this. And I'm thrilled that we got it for him, for us, for everybody, you know? 
Yeah, well, really well said. So I won't, I won't sit here repeating what you just said in a different voice, a different accent. <laughs> I think um, just, just say it better. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is to give a different angle to this, Elliot. I think it's it's a in any sort of you heard me say this a million times. In any sort of high performance team model, the one line, the one word that underpins that model is renewal. Knowing when to renew your squad, knowing when to renew key figures in your squad. And I think this is such a, I don't want to say positive, but I, th I think it's positive. It's positive mm -hmm. because we, we have a fantastic player that's been so important to the club, probably more important to people within the club than at times to people outside looking in. You know, I think... He's carried some young players in this club. He's been given off himself. You can agree or disagree. It's 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 out there. Listen to what the player, other players say about him. Listen to what other other managers say about him. He's consistent. International managers, club managers, coaches, young players. Everybody's consistent about his influence within within that club. But I do think the fact that we're willing to renew a key pillar of the team is such a positive moment to what we can do is consistent improvement, continuous improvement mindset. We're going to renew at the right. It's what we used to do. We used to sell players way before I was finished with them. It used to upset me. Now we, we, we end up in a period where we we're giving people away or paying them to go. So this is what we need to do. Look at how Man City sell players. Look at how Chelsea sell players. We need to do this. Renewal is an important part of high performance. And we have to keep doing it at the appropriate time, the appropriate way that allows money to come into the, the overall business model and allows us to reinvest with new talent. There's always more talent than there are football clubs. I promise you that. I promise you Eddie's mm -hmm. top joy is full up with agents' notes and messages saying, I've got a player for you. You know, there's always talent. It's about how you bring them in. So that whole renewal thing, I think, is very important. Another thing I want to talk about earlier, I think the pace of change around football is becoming so fast. So you remember the mantra of the old days when Arsenal used to say, you don't want to bring in more than two players into squad, it'll upset it. Well, that's a load of rubbish now. Because we, we, we all want to sell <laughs> yeah. 10. We want to sell 10 and buy six. And, you know, and, uh, and the reason why we can have that conversation, and I'll tell you why, this is something that's happening to the game. The game, the way it's coached, it's become very formulaic, particularly with positional football. The intelligence of our football players and how we disseminate information to them is going to such a high level now that you can plug and play high-quality players into your system very, very quickly. You haven't got to do ones and twosies. You can do three and four, bang, into first eleven. This is how we play. This is what we do. And I, and I do think we have to change our mindset. So renewal is going to be a bigger part of things I think football is is becoming. We 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 tend to copy each other quite quickly. I said to Tom the other day. I said to you before as well. A year ago, we were not talking about inverted fullbacks. We just we weren't talking about them. And now we could be buying another one any minute now. We might play two inverted fullbacks next to centre mid and have a two three five build up. Two three five. Well, a year ago, when we talk about that with such with such certainty. When we talk about players rolling in off the front line, extremities of the system, pinning chalk on boots on the outside, maybe we'll do a little bit of that a year or so ago. 
but we're developing this system. It's become very transparent to us. So why is it not? Why won't it be transparent to players? So the importance of renewing at the right time and not being afraid of it is is really a positive sign. It's 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 very important for me that we're prepared to do that. And and I I love these players. And I, you know, I tend to no, I don't love them. I tend to like them because I don't want to love love them because I want them to to yeah. change because you can always find new things when new people bring new energies new a new approach you can't have the same people too long you have your core group and you build upon that and even within that core group if it's not right you have to renew you have to you don't yep. want people dying yep. on your books and, that, and that's just the nature of top level business I'm afraid and and that's been a, a concern for us frankly is not taking the money and renewing when it suited both the player and the club. I have to admit, I got this badly wrong. I thought last summer was the time for him to go. The club, no surprise here, got it completely right. One more season to bridge the gap with a player they needed for leadership experience and quality. And then not only are they renewing, but they're doing something I never would have expected, which is collecting a really nice fee for the player that in theory, at least, is helping us fund some of these things we're doing. So it's brilliant. You know, the problem is too, and this is a a social media phenomenon, I think. I think it's done something to our discourse, which is everything is binary. A player is shit or a player is the goat, right? Um, Mm. And so the shades of gray go away. And, And at times, Shaq has talked about like he's Charlie Adam. And at times he's talked about like he's Pirlo. And he's not either of those things. He is a very good, talented player who at times had flaws that were a challenge for our game and at times showed quality that many of us probably undersold and underappreciated that were critical to our game. He had times where his emotions got the better of him in a negative way, but plenty of times where his emotions and his mentality drove a leadership level into the squad that was absolutely essential. He contains yeah. multitudes and he's complex. He's really complex. The fire that burns in that guy is unique. And Clive, I think those players can be hard because some people connect to the passion in a very positive way. Some people connect to the passion in a negative way and it, it lights a, the touch paper within them. But he, you know, he really does contain multitudes. He's a lot more complex than portrayed, I think. Well, one thing I will give him credit for, because whether you like him or you don't, you have to give someone credit for how they adapt to their environment. He's been here six, seven years, and he's had to adapt to different managers, different coaching philosophies. At the start of the season, he was told his position is going to change. And Elliot, you just look at some of the pictures of him even two years ago compared to now, how fit he is, how lean he is, how athletic he looks compared to what he used to look. But not only did he change his athletic profile as much as he possibly could, you know what I mean? Um, if you think about him at the base of our team and what he used to do putting out fires, he's a natural helper. He wants to help people. And so he puts himself into areas maybe sometimes not advantageous for him and his skill set. And to flick his mentality to somebody say, no, you can be part of the front five now. Now you're going to have to have a different mentality, a different psychology to support people in an attacking way. In fact, we want you to arrive into the box at centre forward on the penalty spot. And the ball goes onto our right-hand side. We've got two players there that can deliver it on the six-month. You get yourself in the box. That, that psychology change, to accept that and then deliver upon it, I just got to clap. I just got to raise my hat to him. That is that is so difficult for a yeah. player, particularly one at 29-30. That is a huge thing. That tells you something about him, how he prepares himself, 
how he listens, how coachable he is. I mean, forget the results. Just think about that for a second. Base the team to front of your team with a 29-year-old. That's a huge change. And to, to deliver on that, and, and I will say, and I'll put my hands up, I think there's limits to him in that position that hopefully we'll see the new signing take to a new level. And I've and I felt this year that the the big growth in our team is in that position and what we can do with it and what that looks like. I've had many debates with people who will listen to me um, because I've been trying to work it through what that position could look like and then bang, the major might have found something, but we'll get onto that. But yeah, he's made a great adaptation into that role and I think he's shown us the light what that position could be like. It's going to be so interesting to see how we develop that this year. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I guess one thing that's funny too is you forget how young footballers are. 27. 28. Oh, he's an old, he's an old leader in the team. At 27, 28, I was an absolute hothead searching for what I wanted to be in life with no clue of where I was headed. Now, some people by that time have kids and are settled. And so everybody's on a different journey, but like you, your whole profession as a footballer is spent at a time that I regard as pretty young. And, and so, you know, to be like, oh, he's a hothead or he's emotional or he's this, that well, show me a 26, 27 year old that isn't, especially at the elite level of sport. I, I just think, I think the thing, and you touched on this, I'm always going to at least respect a player who I think extracted every last drop of ability that's in their body. I have no sense at all that Granite Shaka left anything in the in the training room or in the gym, right, that he could have done more. There are players I look back on, Jack Wilshire's one, for example, where there were always sort of some questions, maybe wrong, I don't know, about how he trained or, you know, his lifestyle, things like that. And it's frustrating, right, because in Jack Wilshire, you see a guy that, could have been one of the all-time greats. Now, to be fair, some of it was injury, and that's absolutely not within his control. With Granit Xhaka, there's just no question the way he took care of himself, and I respect that. Um, we know the low moment in Xhaka's career, so I don't want to go through that. Just as we wrap it up, do you have a do you have a high moment that you want to touch on? Yeah, I suppose um, the goal against Manchester United last year when he smashed it with his uh, left foot to get the victory there in the last home game last season... The Spurs game this year, which which I was at, when he scored the winning third goal, um, I, I'll be honest with you. Just, I'm pleased. The high moment for me is that he's leaving on a high. I think that's yeah. the high moment because he has gone through some pretty dark times and sitting there with a 35 million pound price tag on his head, and that's that's been questioned. When Ingolo Kante is running around for Chelsea, now is the option that we turned away from. And we brought in this guy, and the manager wasn't even sure what he was. Well, his new manager knows what he is, and developed him in two different ways. And um, he played him as a auxiliary left back for a while. He played him as a, a, a left ten stroke eight. Uh, he's played him in the middle of midfield, a double six. He's, he's found his way for him. He's found his role, and he's found out the best way to maximise him and send him on his way to a new chapter in his life. So for me. In fact, he's ended the season on a high. Is the high moment really? And um, and he's walked away with the club in the Champions League. So he's achieved what he wanted to achieve. Yeah, I'll, I'll, look, the high moment for me is probably, um, it's it's pr- it's probably the the brace against Wolves the end of the season and and the cheers and getting to accept that adulation. Like that was just it was the the climax. And the denouement all all in one. But maybe I'll pick a a weird one against Newcastle away 
second half, maybe uh, 57th, 58th minute. We've got the 1-0 lead. Maybe the slightest hope of a title still burning, but a game we wanted to win for revenge, and it was such an imp- I feel like that victory was important. Um, yeah. We loved it. We loved that victory. Granite Xhaka runs the length of the pitch, having been involved in an attack in, in the opposition oh, box, yes. runs the length of the pitch and has a saving tackle inside the box. His engine, his drive, being switched on, being alert to that danger, saves that that game for us in that moment. Uh, just epitomizes who he is. You know, a guy who sometimes he wanted to do it all himself and that actually hurt the team. But at his best, he was a guy who would who would do whatever it took for the team. And so I really like that moment. I think we can move on uh, from the Shaka conversation now, and we certainly wish him well. It, it is an ending and a new beginning. And so now we can talk about some new beginnings. Um, This is the moment where normally there would be an ad break, but there's no ad break today because this was originally going to be a Patreon pod. And the patrons go, what do you mean ad break? Because patrons get no ads because they always get the ad-free version, which you might say is actually a downside because you don't get to hear me go absolutely loopy reading reading the ads, which, you know, teach their own. I've had had patrons say, can you send over a supercut of the ad reads? (laughs) Everybody's got their kink, I guess, and we don't kink shame on this podcast, but we'll move on. Um, And so from endings to new beginnings, it's a contract extension that we've known about for a while, but is now officially announced. Uh, William Saliba will wear the number two next season. He has signed on for four more years. There is no option. He's making just under 200 grand a week, which was kind of where we thought it would come in, and it's absolutely deserved in my view. Uh, A quote of his from this, I was born and raised in North Paris, but I became a man in North London. Love that. Um. Again, you talk about why we trust the club, why we trust Mikel and Adu, because they've proven us wrong about things that we thought. With all the loans, when he came back to Arsenal that first time and wasn't played at all, not one minute, and then sent back out on loan and was making some noises to the media that weren't great. Then we took his number away and we gave it to Ben White. Yeah, I'll admit, I would have bet the house on him not having an Arsenal career. And once again, it is an example of where you've got to give credit where it's due. That this not only turned around, but turned around so much that he's become one of the cornerstone pieces of a potential title-challenging arsenal and has now signed another contract. If you told me he's not only going to be at Arsenal to the end of his contract, he's going to sign a new one, I would not have believed it. It's a credit to everyone involved. But you know who it's a credit to mostly? William Saliba for being extraordinarily good. And I don't know if you saw this, but Gabriel Jesus was on a podcast not this one, um, in, in Portuguese. But he's on a podcast and he was asked about stuff. And one of the things he said on that is, yeah, William Saliba was the difference between us winning a title and not. When he's in, we don't concede many goals. When he's out, we concede many goals. We had other players who were out when I was out and Kedia did well. When Saliba was out, for one reason or another, no criticism of other players, we conceded more goals. We need William Saliba. That's Jesus saying that. I think we all would echo that. And Clive, it may sound like hyperbole, but I mean this. We will not make a more important signing this summer. We were 90-plus point pace title-worthy team with him. We were far from that without him. He is he is something special, and he is still very, very young. <laughs> yeah, you, the last line you said there is the one I was going, he's 22 years of age, right? <laughs> he's yeah. 22 years of age. I mean, crikey. Yeah. bananas. What is going on? You know, what is going on with that level of talent and maturity and presence? It's crazy. Twenty-two-year-old should not look like that and make people feel like there's no point in taking him on, you know. And um, 
he 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 has a lot, mate. And um, there's no point talking about him as as a footballer. His importance to us as a as a football player is um is is there for all us to see. Because we understand now, don't we, about build-up. We understand about the back five, you know, going back to what we started, where we started. We understand his role, his comfort, his composure, his ability to see the long ball and get after it before anyone else does, drop early, receives it, keep the ball, get out of pressure. It, it's all there, right? Um, but yeah, for me, it's just the age. And, you know, watching, you know, when Sol Campbell came to us, well, he wasn't 22. You know, and what the presence mm-hmm. he brought to to the team. I, I look, real fans, real excited, but not even. You know, I'm not even sure I understand where players like him and Bukayo Saka could end up. You know, I generally not sure if they arrive where they could arrive at the same time. Then what what have we got here? You know, I almost don't want to say. I almost don't want to speak it into existence. I just want to, to. I just want to watch, you know. But you know, you talk about some of the young players that we have. What have we got? This is this is generational stuff, isn't it? If they keep progressing, and just add something that just comes naturally, which is maturity and experience, and just you know, just maturity. Just look at. There was a picture of Saka signing his last contract, which was only a couple of years ago. And you look at him now; he's grown about three inches. He looks like a man. He's just growing up just naturally growing up and Saliba looks like he was a man when he was like 12 but he, he still there was a preseason that we were watching worried about him which I was worried about him I didn't think he'd make it you know I wasn't sure we'd all stuff we read was saying he's gonna leave you know and but it was just one preseason when he before he came back I think when he was working out in the summer a lot and so this stuff doesn't just happen I think when he first came to Arsenal, he came out of a COVID world. Again, a young player coming during COVID like Havertz did. Didn't come back in shape. Didn't get respected by the club. Had to go back to France. Again, it's all rumour, conjecture. I'm not sure of the exact stories. But he's not the physical athlete he is now. He wasn't. And the things he's added to his game in the last three years or so have just been incredible. And that hasn't just happened. That's his hard work. Him doing the extras him working through the summers to make sure that he's in proper shape to have an impact at the Premier League level where it's very intense and quick. And so he's done it, right? So he's done it for a season for us. Pay the man. Secure your future. Yeah. We've got two young centre-backs there that are outstanding, aren't they? And and we've got them both secured. Yeah, well said. I mean... Uh... He feels like the cornerstone to me. I think players of that quality in that position with the kind of qualities he has are very, very hard to come by. Any concern? I mean, con- yeah, concern. That's the right word. I'm not concerned trolling. I just, it, any concern on the back situation and just, there's the rumors on that have been murky, right? And this is where you have to be careful. You know, there are people that are like, oh, they're trying desperately to avoid surgery, but he might need, but I don't think anybody really knows. But I'm just curious. Yeah. Again. From a position of knowing nothing confidently, what's your level of concern or consideration for that aspect for for the back injury? Well, can you say on what you what you see? And there's pictures of him training and running. Is that just the first phase of him coming back? You know, he's going to be running and not doing any ball work. We, we don't know, but um, 
I'm not as worried as I was, um, you know, a few months ago because um, we've got people coming in that can potentially give us a bit of depth in that role. So, um, and I do think that Ben White can do that role as a centre back if we had to for a few weeks. But I'm just hopeful he's going to come back and and come back quite quickly. Also, I'm hopeful he gets rotated. They all get rotated. I think it's important that we have them fresh. That extra 5-10% when you're a fresh player that's ready, not carrying something in the big moments. He said something to me last season that really stuck with me, and I just hadn't worked it out mathematically. He said, if we'd just beaten City home and away, we'd have been a different situation. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're ready to title. beat City yeah. yet. They're tre- yeah. We're not, we're not, we weren't ready to beat City yet. Home game, we were a little bit sloppy in our chances. Away game, we got slapped. We weren't ready to to beat them yet, and they've won the treble and fair play to them. And our time, hopefully, is gonna is gonna come soon. But it's it's a reminder to me and that the big moments, the big games, really do matter. They really do matter. We went to Everton, we went to Liverpool, we went to City, went to Manchester United. That part of the world needs to be conquered by this football team. And having our strongest, fittest players strong and fit, we we need to make sure we sort that out because that's where it's going to be won and lost next year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's right. And we need him. The good news is, like, if we get Timber, which if we get Timber, it looks like that's done, and you have White and Kivior and Gabriel and Saliba, and you, know, you start to look at that as a group where, you know, and Tomiyasu, I should mention, another player that we need fit, obviously, it starts to look, you know, pr- pretty solid just in terms of players that if you have to put them out there, you're not, you know, you're not super concerned about it. It, you know, it's it's not a worry. Um, just, I, I guess we can finish on the on the Saliba chat, but I would say having Gabriel and Saliba in particular, we don't talk a lot about Gabriel and White um, and Timber and Kivior, let's put him in, let's put him in the group. Um, Tomiyasu, at those ages, fitness issues notwithstanding, we really don't need to be looking at defense for quite a long time. And our goalkeeper is not even close to goalkeeper prime age yet. It's nice to have that aspect locked down because I think what you can now go do is in January, if there's an attacker happens to be out there, you got one more big spend to make. Maybe next summer, you just need to splash big on one guy and you get that extra domino, that extra really dynamic attacking player that takes the whole project up. You can do it because yeah. you're not saying, well, we got to plug holes in defense and we got to plug holes here and there. I think, I think as I look at it, Rice plus another midfielder and like you're really now just at the point where you can buy the fun players, the guys that put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and we did just sign one up, and that's Reese Nelson. So, I mean, the news just keeps breaking left, right, and center. This is a weird one. Reese Nelson's contract literally expired, but he's staying, and he signed on. And I think this is smart because we are in this weird place now where we need players we like, we trust, we can use, but who we're not sure we're going to use much. And I think this this is the hardest place to be in a squad-building project, Right. How do you go out and buy a guy who you can't promise has a big role? Reese Nelson has clearly heard something from Mikel that suggests to him that he's going to have a role and he wants to be there. But maybe we just have a good enough project and a good enough cluster and it's fun enough to be at Arsenal right now that he's willing to fight for his place and see what he can do. 
He had some high moments this season in very limited minutes. Clive, I don't see a path to huge minutes here. But what I will say is, Reese Nelson really impressed me. We have to go back a while for this, but his pedigree was up there with some of the great young players of his of his generation, of his class. He showed some of that this season when he came on. I thought he was excellent in the times he played this season. I can't guarantee there's going to be a lot of playing time for him, but he is a player who I feel pretty good about using if he's going to come on in a game. So I, th- this just feels like a really nice, smart move in a part of the pitch where we probably need numbers, but we may not have that many minutes, you know? Yeah, well, again, he fits the he fits the squad, fits the group. I have a twenty-four-year-old in the group. Done, homegrown. Done. Doesn't want to leave the project because he can see that it's going somewhere. Check. It's all good. I I see him as a finisher, like the whole start finisher concept. I see him as a left sider. Mm-hmm. I'm honest with you. That's why I think he's at his best. Also, he can he can stand in the right zone and do his bit there. But I really like him from the left. I think he feels confident there. I think he wants the ball there. I think his body shape's better there to drive, take it out of his feet. I think he's got more moves. When he goes on the outside, his left foot crosses are sweet. When he comes on the inside, he can do a bit. And he works at an intensity level off the ball. He works back, defends. So he fits the group. He's got all of the principles that Arteta wants. I don't care what your name is. Do you react quickly in transitions? Can you move quickly? Can you hold the width in the team? Yes, I can. And I won't embarrass you in going to a 4-4-2 block neither. No, so that's a really smart buy. Really smart buy. We've got a, we've got a kid up there, twenty one year old from Brazil, that's superstar potential. He's got his money, and now we've got that. We got someone to help protect him. You know, I think it's very important. That's how you elongate careers. You make sure you have people with similar profiles to make sure that the two of them can be protected. And I think it's a very smart move. We haven't got to go. And spend sixty million quid on Musa Diaby, you know. Although I don't mind that player, <laughs> but if you're if you're a young academy kid and you start to see people coming in like this, you have to think about this. One academy kid just signed on this week that we're all worried about Ethan Wanieri, and these players look at this and say, "Well, hold on, why are we spending money on a player when Reese is an academy kid? Why can't he get in?" And that sort of thing it permeates throughout the whole club. So you can't just talk it. You have to. You have to do it. You have to show by your actions. And now, when we've got two outstanding six-year-olds in Miles Lewis, Skelly, and Ethan Wanieri, and basically they're they're looking at the pathway. They're looking at our actions and how we behave. Now, it's not a finishing school. We're not a charity. We want to win. However, when a player has the ability and can develop to a new level, then give him a go. If it doesn't work, it's not a problem. Our asset is protected. We can make our money back. But by giving him a go, I think it's, it's really important. And um, he sent a message throughout the whole club. So good luck to him. I've had my doubts about him. I was always concerned about his injury record, to really said. Yeah, he just seems to get injured in, in the FA Cup month, you know, when, he, when he's going to play. You know, and I think in January he gets injured. Yeah. Um, and around transfer windows, like, crikey. And, um, but hey, look, he, uh, gave, he gave us the best moment of last season, didn't he? So... Um, I was unconcerned because I had a 10-year contract on the back of that moment. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> on that day, I would have let him sign whatever contract they wanted to give him, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> do, do you do you think that we've left ourselves light in that position of the, of the pitch, though? I mean, is is that an area where we say, look, it's great that we've gotten Reese signed up, very happy for him. You know, it, it, obviously, it's great. Um, is it an area of the pitch that that you're concerned about at all in terms of, is. Having enough? 
Yeah, it is. Um, I got some. I got some thoughts, but I agree with your. Th- you're projecting forward to next summer. How we're building the group. There's a big number to spend around the centre forward area. You can see that coming, can't you? For the right player and the right opportunity, but. I'm looking at Makaya Saka, I just wonder, you know, he's getting so good. I mean, what he did for England in the summer was just ridiculous. He looks like England's best player. He's already England's player of the year. Every time he plays, he's man of the match. That means something in this country. It means something if you're doing it for your country. He's going to come back to Arsenal. He's in, a, he's in a group now with other England players and other bright young players. And he's one of the flag bearers for that. But he plays every single game. And he plays every single England game. And now he's going to play every single Champions League game. And that is not sustainable. He just isn't. And I don't think Reese Nelson is the player to, to allow him to rest. I think he's the player to allow Martinelli to rest. It's my opinion. People will say, well, Trossard can do that. I think Trossard's more of an interior player. I think he does very, very well. Tip of a diamond or as a false nine. Personally, I, obviously he can play wide left as well, but I, I prefer him inside at 28, 29. His body will tell him to play inside. you know. And, and what he does, he starts inside and he rolls outside. But his starting position needs to be a little bit narrower for me. And So I'd love to see another wide man come in or a wide forward. Um, but I'm not going to stress too much about that at the moment. Because if we get people pushed back the way we want to push them back, I think there could be opportunities to play Jesus out wide. There could be opportunities yeah, to make this work, you know. You know, there could be opportunities to make this work, and people might not be open to them just now. But you have to allow for development. Can Fabio Vieira play out wide and to fix his position a bit more? People not sure about him, but another year, a proper preseason. Let's see where he goes and where he ends up. That that's half of the pitch. The right hand side of the pitch is is his for for me, not the left hand side of the pitch. But it's, there's things that we could do, and I think it's a developmental race in those parts of the pitch for me. Attacking mid areas, Smith Rowe, Vieira, they, I think that's an, it's a development race for me, and I, I want to see them develop and see how they how, how they go. Yeah. So this is what's hard, right? I, I I always kind of worry when you get into this sort of thinking, but. In our squad, you kind of you can't avoid it, which is when the backups are starters. And that, mm. that creates a weird dynamic because if your backups are starters, and I'll explain what I mean in a minute, you have to change more than one piece if you're going to use them that way. So ideally what you want, right, is my striker's out, I use my backup striker. My right back is out, I use my backup right back. Because you're leaving in place all of the other pieces. So you have continuity. If your backup striker is Havertz, then your left eight is moving, which means you need another left eight. Is the other left eight going to be Smith Rowe? Is it going to be Fabio Vieira? Who's it going to be? If your backup striker is in Kedia, okay, that's fine, but I don't know if that'll be the case. If your backup right wing is Gabriel Jesus, when Sack is not there, then fine. Jesus moves to right wing, but does that mean Havertz moves to nine? Does that mean Vieira? You know what I mean? If your backup right center back well, is Ben White. Well, goes to nine, right? So, yeah. Well, well, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Didn't think about that. But, but so your backup right center back is Ben White then you need to not just move Ben White to center back, but you need to bring in maybe Timber to be right back, which again, by the way, I'm not complaining. We have a squad that gives us a lot of options at a lot of positions. It just so happens, Clive, that they are already starters. You know what I mean? So I would say like, you're, you're, 
your backup this is also your starting that and your backup that is also your starting this. And so like, like there's, there's a lot of places these players could play if needed. Um, what'll be interesting to see is if the manager trusts the true squad players, like does, does Tomiyasu get to come in and play right back if White's not available or is it Timber? Does, does, and Kedia get to come in and be the backup if Jesus isn't there? Does Nelson get to be the backup if Saka isn't there? Or is it going to be a lot of shifting where it's like, well, no, you know, Tris, uh, Havertz becomes the backup nine or Trissard comes in and becomes a backup nine or Jesus and Jesus moves out to the right. Or, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think he'll trust the squad players to be one for one changes or is it going to be a lot of players are expected to be able to play multiple roles this season? I think it will be a bit of both, really, to be honest, mm-hmm. Elliot. I'm, I'm not too worried about rushing to a conclusion on anything, really, until I see them on the grass and understand a little bit more. I think we can picture the roles and what's required in those positions. I think we can all picture that. Everybody listening can picture that. And uh, it's a matter of have we got the ability to deliver it on a consistent basis when two or three people are out. Having the right profiles is important. So... I don't want to pick on him, but Rob Holding is not the right profile centre-back for Arsenal Football Club. Not the way we play now. You know? When we played a back three a couple of years ago, then he was absolutely fine. You know? But now we're playing on the halfway line, doing certain things in build-up, expecting him to have a physical, over-the-shoulder speed, which he does not have. And so, we we need to have Ben White's Libra in those in, the, in that right centre-back role. Right? Because we know they can do it. Composure on the ball, etc., etc. So we need to make sure we have the right fullbacks. We lost Tom Yassi, but so Tom Yassi can play left back as well, and I'm a big fan of his left back. And Timber, I'm to, to be seen, you know, to be determined. But we can all see that he's a player that plays on the front foot, wants to punch through lines and go forward, plays on in the interior lanes, happy inside, looks like a centre mid when he's inside, looks like a right winger when he's on the outside, looks like a left winger on the left side. He's an all round good footballer that can play. I'm happy with him going forward. Rather, I don't want him to, in our box too much in, in the Alamo situations, but I want him out of our box, progressing and going to bite people in the middle of that pitch, stopping defensive transitions. That's what you want. And we've got these players that can do that, give us an, an element of control. So I'm looking at the the profiles of the players, really, mate, to be honest with you. And when, you know, let's talk about Fabio Vieira for a second. Someone who I've not given up on. I'm the only person in the Western world that hasn't given up on him yet. But when he gets the ball on the right-hand side on, and, he, and he drops his shoulder, his left foot, and he's clipping the ball into a six-foot-three Havertz, we might start liking him again. Do you know what I mean? It's about having somebody in the box that can do that job, wants to score with his head. We might start liking him again. You know? You look at Jack Grealish when he played for Man City the year before when it was all forced nine first rotation. He looked like a fish out of water. Give him a big centre forward to play with. He's bouncing off him. He looks like Man City's most important player apart from De Bruyne. And Haaland. So basically, he's found a role within the group because the balance of the group has changed. It's made us look at him slightly differently. So I'm keeping my mind open on some of these players. I, I'm so interested in, in Vieira and Smith Rowe in particular because they're so young, so underdeveloped. They're still very young. They both would have been in the under 21 tournament. You know, Vieira wasn't ill. So we have to remember that they're still young players and there's still so much growth to, uh, to happen with them. Yeah, well said, and and I agree. I guess we can just about wrap up. The only thing I wanted to say is that we are going to be announcing two more new signings 
any moment, probably after I hit publish. These are weird ones because we've talked them to death. We've scouted timber. We scouted rice twice. We've talked about rice on four different episodes, timber on a couple. It'll be a little anticlimactic, but it is exciting. Where I want to go with this, though, just before we say goodbye is that all this business is being done this quickly means they can have a full preseason with us. And one of the challenges we had, if you remember back a couple seasons ago, we didn't get our business done in time. We got off to that terrible start right when we had, um, was it Brentford, Chelsea, and City in the first three? Yeah. I think was what we had, and we we lost all three, right? Gary Neville dancing with the Bees fans. You know, it was a fun night for him, I guess. Uh, Didn't see where our project was going. Wonder (laughs) if you can see it now. Um, But it, it... it's the point that this preseason becomes really important because actually, especially if party leaves, by the way, we're taking some critical experienced pieces out. We're bringing some very big, high-profile pieces in. We're going to have a full preseason. The reason I predicted us to do as well as I did in our preseason predictions pod last season is because I believed in the preseason. If you remember, we looked thrilling in preseason, and in part because our new signings, Inchenko and Jesus, looked thrilling in preseason. Jesus in particular. We're going to get that look again. Any concern at the over at the over analysis that'll be done? How excited are you to see them in preseason and how important ultimately do you think it is that they're here in this time frame so that if we're taking out experience pieces, at least the new pieces will have had their chance to bet in and hit the ground running when that first game kicks off. Yeah, as I said earlier, I think coaching is becoming more globalized, and I think these systems are easy to, to to get into players. Your role within it are easily defined. You just have to have the ability to learn, to adapt to the people that are around you, and that takes a little bit of time. Particularly someone like Declan Rice, he, he's going to have people around him showing him, showing him their boots very, very quickly, and he needs to move the ball a bit quicker and just change it. I'm sure he can. He'll get it back in space, and he can do his stuff. And So it's going to be so interesting to see what he does and how he enjoys playing in the other half of the piece compared to the half of the piece he spent most of his career in, in a, in a counter-attack team, striking big distances into channels. Let's see what he does, right? I, I think it's going to be so exciting. I think Havertz excites me a lot because I don't know enough, if you know what I mean, Elliot. What I don't know enough about is the ones that excite me the most because I think his potential is right there up at, at the elite level if he if he's in the right system for him and... I think he could be anything, but he's also a risk, and I and I and I accept that he's a risk, and it could go wrong, right? But I've got a funny feeling it's going to go right, right? So, um, you don't want to be the guy that comes in that 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 rocks this boat and knocks it over. You will be the guy that elevates it, you know. So I think he's going to come in and mm-hmm. really do that. I am a little bit concerned that we've much like with Mudrick, there was not a single YouTuber I hadn't seen. And for most people listening, there's not a single comp or YouTube on, on Rice and Havertz they've not seen. And the moment Rice gets a ball in two yards of space and starts running through, everyone's going to say, oh, I knew he'd do well. Good people all watched it all summer, right? Um, and the, the moment he gets robbed in our area, we're going to have a bit of worry about him because we, we saw some of those clips as well. We have to be patient, really, and try not to rush a conclusion and just see how this all develops and, and see what the manager thinks because we've all got our ideas. But you know what? He's the guy getting paid. <laughs> he's the guy he's got his own ideas. And let's see if our, our ideas match his ideas and how he how he creates the cohesion that I think is really imp- important. Someone sent me a fantastic video the other day about about how, how systems are developing around and there's two words the way they described it how football tactics are developed from 
chaos to relationism. And I think with positional play and the way we play, we have a form of relationism. And the words I use to describe it in our language, on on our podcast, I spoke about the pods by which we worked in, but the intelligence of those pods. And I think the way football is going and the fact that everyone is scouting each other, if you have an, an un... You can't stop when two players connect, you know, and two or three players connect. You can't stop it. It's raw intelligence. For those people watching the under-21s at the moment, just watch Morgan Gibbs-White and Smith-Rowe playing together. You would think they've played together for 20 years. It's just ridiculous, mm. you know. Their synergy together, their brain together, you can't stop that. That's, that's They're inventing that. They're inventing that. And I think the more of these pods and combinations we have and relationships we build with the right profile of players, I think is the thing that's going to make us unstoppable. But what we got to do is, when we lose one of the key people in those groupings, in those areas, in those pods of three and four, that we can still do it. We still have the second guy comes in that plays the same way, with the same strengths, with the weaknesses that don't expose the other areas of the pitch. If we can have that, mm. then what... Mikel Arteta's major skill for me is how he creates those relationships and, and cohesive way he plays. I think that's going to be the ticket to a parade in May, my friend. I've said it. Mm-hmm. I've said it out loud. <laughs> I'd take it. I'd take it. I mean, do they do they do parades for winning the League Cup in May? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll have one yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we deserve one. Look, I... I think we should leave it there. I'm glad that we got a chance to put this out. As I said, initially intended to be a Patreon pod, but I just, you know, I feel so excited about everything and feel so connected. Everyone wanted to get something out for everybody. And, and Clive, obviously get your voice out to everybody this week because we, we kind of missed you this week. And just, um, you know, as a reminder that we're, we're really thrilled to have you as a, a part of the podcast in whatever way you are, whether it's just listening or getting connected on social media or seeing us at live events or, um, you know, just emailing, whatever it is. And and if you are signed up for Patreon, thank you for that. I, I know that that is, uh, you know, that is a place we work really, really hard to make it worth your while and make you feel that we're taking it seriously, whether it's what we do on the Discord and the office hours things we're starting or the scouting videos or the rewatch videos or the One Club podcast about the women's pod, which is on there. We're going to do a scouting video for Alessia Russo, um, the Instant Reaction pod's, and and on and on. So I, I hope that people, you know, are enjoying whatever they're getting out of the, the podcast, wherever they get it. Clive, final thought there? Yeah, I just want to say one thing. On holiday, I met uh, I met one of our patrons, actually. His name is Sanjay. And uh, I just want to say hello to him. I met him and his wife. And uh, this what, you know, sometimes when we do this stuff, when you meet people, really good people, you know, it is earlier from coming over. It it makes it for us, right? It really does. We, we are, I always say, we're incredibly fortunate with our audience. And, um, they're such nice people when they have the time to talk to us, they really do. And I just want to say, uh, it's my wedding anniversary and Sanjay got us something. I will say thank you for that and um, and keep supporting us and um, and all the others that, that yeah. are out there. The silent people, please uh, keep doing what you do. The lurkers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, thank you. I the, re- the reason I like to say this stuff is because I don't get to necessarily talk to everybody, but everybody means a lot. I mean, you know this, Clive. I go to bed at night and wake up in the morning like racking my brain how can we make it better? How can we do stuff that's more interesting for people? How can we f- find 
new ideas that will enlarge our connection to the club and connection to the game and, and the players and stuff. So it's just, it is a lot of fun, but it is a great deal of responsibility. And the reward is getting to meet people, getting to talk to people and just sharing some, some laughs together or drink together, whatever the case may be. So uh, thanks everyone for being here. A uh, little bit of nonsense for me at the end there, but hopefully uh, you turned it off before that, you know? So there's that. <laughs> Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC, then Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith, the Black Man on Twitter, Anka Gunner. Uh, need not be said again, but I will say it one more time. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 transfer window news. Bye.